Jesus' body is broken. His clothes are divided. His mother is bereaved. The man who invited all people everywhere who were thirsty to come to him and drink the living water of the Spirit now thirsts as he feels for the first time in eternity the Spirit's absence. The tradition of dwelling upon the physical suffering of Jesus has helped the devotion of many of the faithful down the centuries. The integrated nature of the reality Jesus creates enables us to enter into this without resorting to imagination. Many of us have seen death. All of us have encountered pain and suffering. Even passing death on a Suffolk road, an animal who was unable to make the crossing safely provokes an almost involuntary reaction that instructs us. We feel pity, revulsion, dismay, longing, gloom, fear. There is something intrinsic in our response to death. At Jesus' broken body, we feel the threat to our bodily integrity when we see violence with a visceral quality that goes beyond words. As Jesus' only earthly possessions are bartered over and scattered to the four winds, we feel the futility, the repeated aphorism that we can't take any of it with us, that our plans come to nothing. I've even been at a funeral for a woman in her 30s where her bereft husband reflected in his eulogy something that seems trivial but actually undergirds the plight we're all in. He was lamenting that she would never be able to see the end of a TV show they were watching together before she died. From that tiny mundane reality to all the sadness that we feel. We react to Mary losing a son and John losing a friend. We don't need to imagine what that's like. Grief is the pain provoked by death that most terrifies, most overwhelms, most lingers most defies healing. Without a great deal of imagination, we are there. And into our collected memories of grief, Jesus' death introduces a difference, even there on the cross. Jesus' legs are not broken. Jesus' robe is not torn. Somehow his body and possessions retain their integrity and become a means of completing things that stood open, unresolved, unfulfilled from as far back as the Exodus Passover with that reference to the lamb 
not having any of its bones broken. To that famous psalm, the 22nd, beginning with the cry of dereliction, but reflecting the events of the soldiers casting lots hundreds of years before they happened. No sooner is Jesus' family destroyed than he uses his few remaining breaths to begin a new one. And then we have the extraordinary verse 28. Jesus is accomplishing all things, literally completing all things by what he is doing at this moment. Jesus completes suffering. His dead body becomes a fountain. Zechariah 13 verse 1. In that day there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Sin is only addressed through blood. Uncleanness is addressed through water. So blood and water flow from Jesus' side. Jesus' suffering binds up and completes all suffering. Ephraim the Syrian described the bliss of those who ascend in their minds to paradise in the midst of entering into Jesus' sufferings. As they rise to the heights of fellowship with him, he describes them returning to the foothills of the mountain to dance upon the seas. Instead of sinking into the sadness of the inevitable suffering and persecution, those who understand themselves through Jesus' cross are able to dance across. Just as Peter was enabled to walk across the water, though he is a stone. John gives us enough to appreciate that Jesus' cross becomes the centre of a renewed reality. This cross becomes a pattern that gathers up all we suffer. This cross is where things are finished. It is both the limit of the old world of pain and death and the beginning of the new, where those things are spent, completed, finished. May Jesus' cross interpret our pain, our grief, our brokenness. Jesus completes our suffering.